city. I uh, think you're the only one that can do that. Welcome to That's Good Sports Podcast. I'm Brandon Perna here with William Keyes, number one AOK podcast co-host out of Sacramento, California, in a Berkeley shirt with the Von Miller thing in his background. Keys. You nailed it. Got it. Uh, this is That's Good Sports Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the Denver Broncos, even though there's not a lot to talk about. And, of course, we've got NFL, Super Bowl. We know who's going to play in the Super Bowl, uh, is what I'm trying to say. And a lot of shit happened leading up to this Super Bowl matchup between uh, the Los Angeles Rams and the other team. But I don't even fucking – their names I don't even want to say anymore because Kansas I am – Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, the Chiefs. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll jump into that. The bad refing, New Orleans wanting a rematch, uh, Sean McVay having a pullback guy, whatever we, whatever we want to talk about. It's, there's a lot. But we've got two weeks. We've got a whole other podcast that's going to go up before the actual Super Bowl. So we'll try not to overload you with football gasm. Yeah, no, this is the time of the year where, like, if we're ever struggling to fill time in a podcast, which, of course, we would never do. We always have stuff to talk about. Uh, think about the people that have to do, like, three-hour radio shows every day leading up to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Think about – Denver radio where they have to talk about the Broncos for three hours every day. Correct. Yeah. Because it's not like there's two other playoff teams in that city. No, No. we would never ever discuss three. I think actually, I don't don't know about hockey. So, um, you know, what's funny is like a lot of people complain about, um, well, I think a lot of like savvy sports fans, obviously they complain about like the, the fan out here, not really, talking about anything but the Broncos. Uh, but I'm the type of person who all I really want to hear about is the Broncos. I'm not going to listen to three hours of it, you know what I mean? But <laughs> give me 10 or 15 minutes of anything for the Broncos every day and I'm good to go. And then uh, I'll take some Nuggets news like once a week and I'm all right. That's what gets. That's how I, how, how I could get by with sports. Yeah, no, it's like your, your, your blue and orange pill is like this big. And you've got a small little nuggets pill that you take once a week, and then you're, you're good. Yeah, and neither of them um, get me into the Matrix, which is – No, no, no. Which I, Actually, I, I don't know why I use that uh, pill analogy, but I think it's because I've been reading this book about um, the Third Reich and how they're all uh, taking meth when they invaded France. Oh, that weird. Was one, of the, one of the big reasons that they, that they invaded the whole fucking country in like a week. So. Wow. From meth, huh? Yeah, well, it, uh, you don't sleep, you know? You can just yeah. go for, like, a week without sleeping. Well, and then and then you watch uh, A Beautiful Boy, yeah, and that's yeah. about meth, too. So I know. I think you <laughs> should try, try meth. <laughs> Might have to try it. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do that on the podcast next week. Live, <laughs> live uh, meth tutorial. Anybody looking for a really good but, uh, you know – depressing movie about a about or a beautiful boy is is good wasn't that yeah wasn't that actor in the other movie about a boy wasn't that last year about a boy i don't know what you're talking yeah, about the, uh, the guy who played nick was yeah in timothy film. chalamet yeah he was in a film last year called about a boy i believe i think it's possible yeah i know he was in uh he was in lady bird and yeah. he's in call me by your name He's in uh, Lady Bird. And then obviously, yeah, Steve Carell's in that movie. And the funny thing is, like, oh, right no, when... Oh, no, Call uh, Me By Your Name. You're right. About a boy, Hugh yeah. Grant. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's Hugh Grant and, like, uh, Nicholas Holt, who was in The Favorite this year and was really good. So Call Me By Your Name is why Not too that was about a boy. <laughs> I turned, I switched the inputs to get back from Amazon back to uh, regular cable. And so I went from Beautiful Boy starring uh, older Steve Carell and it was on Comedy Central, and they were playing reruns of The Office. Ah. So I got younger, uh, no, zero gray-haired Steve Carell, which was very shocking. Yeah, Steve, he, he looks better with gray hair, I think, almost like yeah. distinguished. Able to take him more ser- yeah, I'm able to take him much more seriously. Yeah, there, there was one point in um, Beautiful Boy where Steve Carell starts yelling. Yeah. And it's that <laughs> same, same like inflection from when he yeah. would get- 
funny mad on the office and I laughed and it was not like a laughable <laughs> scene. Yeah. And my wife kind of looked at me. I was like, I'm sorry. I just, I started to imagine him as, as, you know, Michael Scott when he was yelling in that tone. Yeah. There, he, he was yelling at his ex-wife about their son who had gone missing for like right. three days uh, over the phone. Yeah. So yeah. I thought the same exact thing though. So, you know, uh, <laughs> well, that's good. I'm not a horrible person. No. Uh, uh, so we've got some Broncos news. It's funny because I texted you, like, is there any even anything to talk about? And then you hit me with, like, five different things proving that there's always there's something to talk about. Always something. No, I mean, none of it's really that important. No. <laughs> no, it just depends on uh, what you really think is newsworthy. Yeah. Well, and I mean, our bar is pretty low. It, it is – we're close. We're approaching appropriate quarterback talk time for the Broncos. Like, yeah, oh yeah, that, that could happen in free agency. So let's lead off with that, Will. Yeah. So uh, Mike Kliss tweeted something about um, the Broncos are going to keep an eye on two quarterbacks, two former Super Bowl MVPs, both with last names starting with the letter F: Nick Foles and Joe Flacco. I don't know about this. Um, I personally think that going from, from Case Keenum to either of these two guys is a lateral move that wouldn't really be worth the time and effort, especially for Flacco. Uh, I think Foles, you could, you could at least make the argument that there's more to be mined from, from Nick Foles, but I, I think Flacco, I don't know. I, I'd let another team uh, worry about that kind of as a bridge quarterback. What do you what do you think? If you gun to your head, you have to take uh, you know, Nick Foles for let's say, I don't know, twenty five million dollars a year versus Joe Flacco for eighteen million dollars a year, uh, each for like two years, who do you take? So I mean, I think I take Nick Foles. I think that's an really? easy decision. Both Super Bowl winners. Which yes. You 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 know is a thing, but Nick Foles was Super Bowl MVP. He then kind of revitalized, revived the Eagles this year, got a playoff win for the Eagles. Um, and I think if you're bringing in uh, Rich Scangarello, who's supposed to be very good with quarterbacks, and you believe that, then, you know, I, I like what's the, the knock on Foles is that, He's only able to succeed with Doug Peterson, basically. Yeah, with yeah, Peterson. the, the Andy Reid style offense. Right. And Which so, isn't true because he had his best year with Chip Kelly. But Yeah, I mean, that was, that was Peyton Manning's crazy year where he throws seven touchdowns and breaks the record in a game. And then a few weeks later, Nick Foles yeah. throws seven touchdowns in a single game. He had, what, two interceptions that entire season? Yeah, he was 27-2 uh, to two, touchdown think, interception. Do you think Chip Kelly just came into the NFL uh, a couple years too early? Like, it's I feel like his awesome. offense, everybody would want Chip Kelly right now. His problem was probably trying to be too powerful or, or some Yeah. Shit. I didn't follow yeah, yeah. enough, but I feel like everybody's just doing, like, or wanting what Chip Kelly was trying to bring to the Eagles, you know, in 2013, 20, whenever the fuck that was. Yeah, it got a little annoying, though, with uh, Chip Kelly and his offense just because like, he goes 10-6 and six his first year. They have a good year. I think they actually went 10-6 and six his second year, too, uh, but they missed the playoffs. I think he just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, which was right. probably his greatest downfall. Uh, like, by the end of his Eagles tenure, like, I know most of the locker room had turned against him, like LaShawn McCoy. But I think he ended up trading. Uh, yeah. And then, like, Guys like Deshaun Jackson, like there are rumors about him like being kind of a racist, which I don't know uh, how much credence I would actually give to that. But uh, I don't know. It's not. It's never like once you've already had that accusation hurled against you as an NFL coach, uh, like the damage is pretty much done. And, of course, he only lasted a year in San Francisco, uh, which yeah, is never didn't a good he, sign either. Didn't but, like, he trade – was Kiko Alonso part of the trade – for LaShawn McCoy? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he traded uh, – yeah, he made that trade, and then he made the um, – I think he made the 
Bradford for Foles trade to St. Louis. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So I would take Nick Foles, but like the Broncos options at this point are cut Keenum, sign Foles, and then maybe draft a guy whenever the fuck they want. Keep Keenum, draft a guy at 10. Keep Keenum, trade up to draft a guy earlier than 10. Keep Keenum, draft a guy later. Um, I, th- I just feel like if you're going into this season, some people I think believe the new offense, new offensive coordinator is going to be more friendly to Case Keenum. So maybe the, the Broncos front office is less worried uh, about bringing in a free agent and just want to focus on drafting a guy. And I think the consensus now is the Broncos are definitely going to draft a quarterback. So it's just like, who is that guy going to be? And when are they going to take a quarterback? I can tell you exactly who that is going to be. And I'll tell you the year, too. Uh, Arch Manning, 2027, with the first overall pick, which hopefully the Broncos didn't earn by themselves, but they actually just traded up. Uh, Have you seen this video of uh, Cooper Manning's son, Arch Manning? Yeah, throwing uh, out routes and shit. Throwing, throwing out routes, some some deep balls. Uh, he looks really good. He's, yeah, they should. They need to get him and Philip Rivers' kid and do a, a video of them doing like a, a little quarterback camp. Yeah, uh, I assume that I don't know if Philip Rivers' son. Like, I don't know if that throwing motion is genetic. Um, I'm assuming it's not because I, I think like Philip Rivers' brother threw like a normal person and not an idiot. Uh, but Arch Manning, like, if you look at him, he's got, like, the same, like, follow-through as both Peyton and Eli. So it's just strange to watch, but um, yeah, I can't remember the last time an eighth grader was uh, given an offer by a Power 5 school, but Tennessee wants to lock up their guy early. That's insane. And it's, it's Cooper's son? Yeah, this is Cooper's son, uh, Peyton and Eli's nephew. And supposedly – Cooper was the most athletic of, like, all the Manning kids, right? Yeah, he played wide receiver. He okay. was yeah, that's be, right. Uh, he was kind of the alpha before he got hurt. Can you, can you, can you imagine if, if this kid, Arch, has, uh, like, the cerebral capability of, of Peyton and then is actually not, like, mobile, yeah. but, like, mobile enough where he can move around like, like Aaron Rodgers-ish, like a poor man's Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Could you imagine like how good Peyton Manning would have been if he was going to bounce outside the pocket from time to time and then sidearm a throw to the other side of the field? Yeah, no, I, it's it's the best quarterback uh, I can ever imagine. I think I want him on my team. That's right. I don't think Tennessee deserves him though. I don't want I don't want him to go to Tennessee. I don't want him to go to to, to go to Ole, Ole Miss. Uh, I think you should uh, hold out for like Boise Clemson. State. Um, Boise State would be fun. Uh, like a pack, a good Pac-12 team, maybe. Uh, why not go to CU? Peyton Manning still lives in Denver. Or, you know, go to Boulder. Yeah, that would have been cool. Spend spend weekends at uh, Uncle Peyton's house. Well, maybe he would have done that had John Elway called him the best quarterback ever. Yeah, that was, that's a good segue. Um, that's. <laughs> Yeah, I'm learning the biz. Well, I'm learning the podcast biz. God, we are plowing through this. Uh, and let me tell you how a Peyton Man. And let me tell you how a Manning could end up at CU. After this, after a word yeah. from our sponsors. There's been there are commercials, and then we yeah. tell them. Yeah. Well, do we, do we get that uh, that barbecue uh, that grill sponsor? Oh, the yet? Traeger. Yeah, oh, the Traeger. Yeah, gotta get that Traeger. Mm. Nope. I can smell it already. Traeger. Dude, even, you had no idea. Even Peter Schrager referenced the Traeger grill today on Twitter. God damn it. <laughs> I don't follow him. Um, so yeah, so Elway got asked about the Patriots-Chiefs game uh, when he was at the Senior Bowl because he's doing like his week-long scouting thing with Matt Russell at the Senior Bowl, which I think he does every year. And uh, he referred to Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback. I don't think he said, like, greatest quarterback ever. It was like – I think he just used the words greatest quarterback. It could be currently. could be all time. Yeah, he said be, something like continues to be what he is, the yeah. greatest quarterback. 
he could of, be the greatest quarterback. Yeah, greatest quarterback on the Patriots' fifty-three man roster. Dude, uh, if I was Dante Culpepper, I would never say somebody else was a better quarterback than me. No, it, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I think like um, I think always getting like Chad Pennington up. Yeah, I just immediately, you know, be like a self-promoting, like yeah, I should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, this was all right. Which is a, a more ludicrous take, Brady, the greatest quarterback ever, or him saying that all pass interferences should be reviewable? Elway saying they shouldn't. He said they shouldn't. Should should all pass all pass interferences though? No, I think. Are you? Are like, you they should all be reviewed. That's what he said. I thought he said they shouldn't be reviewed. Will is that? <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's a that's a pretty big difference. <laughs> oh, you, that you really you really locked down this podcast. Let me see here. Pass enter. We're doing so well. Yeah, John always says expanding replays for pass interference won't work. God damn it. <laughs> well, all right. Let me amend that question. Um, what's worse, uh, him saying that Brady is the greatest quarterback or no pass interference call should ever be reviewable? They're, they're, they're both bad. They're both bad takes. Uh, you disagree with both? Yeah. You know I disagree with the first one. Uh, you know what's funny? Yeah, I know. You know what's funny is, like, after this uh, Chiefs win, I feel like two things are happening, like, People in the media are feeling like they definitely need to say Tom Brady is the greatest ever more. Yeah. And then there are people who are, uh, who would refuse to admit it and then um, are now finally starting to admit it for the first time. Well, here's the thing. Like we've crossed that. And like now people are, are talking about like whether he's the best athlete of all time, just like no. in any sport. He's not even the best athlete for like the last 20 years. No, I know. It's so like plainly very, simple for yeah. rational people to see, but like he's I like I'm not saying that he would be a bum anywhere else, but like he's pretty, he's a pretty scheme dependent quarterback. Uh yeah, he's, he's play he plays with a great defense every single year. He plays with the greatest coach every year. He's got a Hall of Fame tight end. Like it's just like it doesn't make him uh it doesn't nullify all the success. Just like I don't think he will ever be uh you know the best ever, the best to ever do it. That's no, because a, like we, we've talked about, there, I don't think there can ever be a best ever because certain quarterbacks do yeah. certain things better than others. Uh, obviously, he's the best ever at winning Super Bowls. Can't argue that. Yeah, he's the most uh, accomplished. Uh, that's just, you know, I think, uh, those are the facts. I think his best skill, and I think it's what we've kind of seen Nick Foles do. It may, did we already talk about this? Like, I think his best skill is that, he, he just plays the game the same no matter what's at stake. Yeah. Like, he doesn't get rattled. And that's when good quarterbacks become, like, flawed. Is like in the fourth quarter. Like, Phillip Rivers is a really good example of a guy I feel like three and a half quarters usually plays great football, and then when the game's on the line, you're either going to get a good performance or he's going to throw a fucking interception. He's going to do something stupid, like – that's why he doesn't have more success, I feel like, late in, in the season or in the playoffs or whatever. Brady's like, it's just the same all the fucking time for him. And that's, that's not even an athletic skill. That's a mental thing. And mentally, maybe he's pretty good. But, like, I don't know. It's yeah. weird. That's, like, well, that's, what I take about, that's what I take away anytime I watch the Patriots. And it's not even just him. It's like everybody on that team plays great – when the right. game was on the line, like their offensive line was fucking amazing in the fourth quarter and overtime. They just he's been sa- he's been sacked zero times in two playoff games against yeah. uh, against two pretty good uh, defensive fronts against uh, one defensive front that tied the pay- uh, Steelers for most sacks this season. It's uh, a defense that was so good their defensive coordinator got fired this week and Bob Sutton. Yes, so. It's uh, uncanny how well prepared that team is every season. And it's like, to me, when I think about it, 
and just try, like trying to take away my hate, my bias from it. It's like, I just always go back to Belichick and how I think what he's done is what blows my mind. You know what I mean? And yes, Tom Brady's like, I, been I, in the, yeah. the game long enough where you're not going to surprise him. And that's most good quarterbacks who've played in the league for more than 10 years. You're not fucking fooling them at the line of scrimmage anymore. Right. And like you, that's where like you'll get no argument from me that Belichick is the greatest coach, I think, ever. And that, that's probably by a pretty wide margin, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, obviously, like there are guys that came before him that he wouldn't exist without like, you know, Bill Walsh creating the, the West Coast offense when he was with the Bengals and uh, and then with Parcells, who he clearly uh, took some influence from defensively. But uh, in terms of, like, putting both, both of those schemes together and creating a team that's gone to now nine Super Bowls in the last 18 or 19 years, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm comfortable with saying that. Brady, on the other hand, there's just too many variables, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And then, like, if you don't say he's the greatest, people just think you're an asshole. So, right, like, it's uh, – I, I was listening to, I think, Dan Patrick talk about him the next day. And usually, like, I like Dan Patrick's takes. But I feel like – and what he did late in the, the Chiefs game was impressive. Overtime was impressive for the most part. But, again, I start, like, I watched through that – the last 10 minutes and the overtime the next day. And I'm seeing more of just a team performing. I'm seeing right. a team that can rush for, for three final touchdowns. I can see Tom Brady making pretty good throws with no fucking pass rush around him. I see, I see Chris Hogan make a one-handed grab that he shouldn't have made that if he doesn't get his hand on that ball is going to get picked off by the Chiefs' uh, safety. I see an interception that's, you could debate, not a great throw to Gronk that gets called back because D. Ford's lined up offsides. Like, the, the one thing that I don't I, – there's no explanation for is the Patriots' – the ball bounces their way more than it does. most teams. No, like, that's just that's – like, that's a fact. You go back to every – uh, you, you could go back to pretty much all of their major accomplishments uh, and say that they got like a, just a tremendous stroke of luck yeah. that when you put it all together, it's just so uncanny and, yeah, and, and bizarre. Like you can say that and it doesn't mean they're not good, but it's like, it's a accurate observation yeah. of a contributor to their success. Yeah, like obviously you have to get that you like you don't get that far in the season uh by being lucky. It's just it does feel like, you know, every single time like you go back to their first Super Bowl and the tuck rule. Like that that's just like a play or a rule in the rule book that most people didn't know existed. Yeah. You know the the Panthers and John Casey kicking it out of bounds after the Panthers tied it up. And giving Brady, like, he only has to go, like, what, like 25 yards yeah, uh, to get into Vinatieri's range. Stuff like that. Like, the Seahawks passing the ball at the, you know, at the one. Uh, Robert Alford dropping that pass that would have uh, won the game for the Falcons in the well, 28-3 comeback. Yeah, and that, that Falcons Super Bowl for the Patriots was by far, like, I thought Tom Brady's most impressive performance as a quarterback. And even there, like, the Julian Edelman catch is insane. And there's also a, a fucking tipped pass at the line of scrimmage that just yeah. somehow bounced, it, bounced into Martellus Bennett's hands and I think was maybe on a third down and ended up turning into a first. Like, it was like, oh, man. No, yeah. They, uh, they, they really does feel like they have way. had – the the usual retort to calling out the Patriots' luck is saying, well, you know, what about the luck that the Giants had against had against them, like the you know, the David Tyree catch or like the the Mario Manningham catch? Not luck, by the way, that's skill. But the David Tyree catch, sure. But when you're uh, you know when you're a team that scored like forty points per game in two thousand seven, and, and you're locked in a a seventeen fourteen game with the Giants, uh, yeah. You know, whatever happens, happens at that point. <laughs> yeah, so it's like 
I don't know. I, I obviously like have a lot of fun, you know, making fun of it and shitting on it on my YouTube <laughs> yeah. channel, but it's uh, like, I think it's interesting just to, and it happened, it happens every season at this point for the last three years because they've been in the Super Bowl every year. So it just re-sparks it and it's like an ongoing stupid debate that nobody's ever going to win and people are just going to eventually submit to. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, in 10 years there's some other quarterback that people are, are saying the same shit about. If there's not, uh, then maybe I'll. <laughs> I don't know if I like that uh, answer or that, that option already. Uh, quarterback in 10 years who people will be saying is the greatest of all time. So I already, Next, I already what know. If, uh, what if there's a quarterback who wins 10 Super Bowls in a row? Mm. Uh, as long as it's not the guy he played on Sunday. <laughs> it's not going to be. Uh, there's no team oh, out there that's going to be coached as well. That's the thing. That's the thing is though the real, you know, annoying part about, the Brady, uh, you know, the ritual ball sucking of Tom Brady <laughs> after one of these wins and him going back to the Super Bowl every every single fucking year is we nobody says a word about Sonny Michelle rushing for 100 yards in the last two games and a total of five touchdowns or the fact that his offensive line gave up uh, zero sacks in those two games. Yeah. Or, you know, his defense holding the Chiefs to zero points in the first half or his defense, you know, doing yeah. whatever against the Chargers, like, you know, it's a team. Patrick game. Mahomes doing him a huge favor by overthrowing Damian Williams wide yeah. open in the end zone. Like, yeah, it's just like if the Chiefs score a touchdown there, they win that game. <laughs> if that roughing right. the passer, if D Ford is lined up three inches uh, behind where he was, you know that ball gets intercepted and. Brady all of a sudden has a one touchdown, three interception game and blew a 14 nothing lead with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Right. It's a completely different narrative. It's that, well, that's what's funny. Yeah. It's like, it's just all these little things when you look at it. And it's, uh, I guess that's what makes sports so great, though. <laughs> you can I guess, fucking yeah. debate it and break it down a whole bunch of different ways. Um, but the, the, like, we're sitting here talking about that, and that wasn't even the most controversial thing from the weekend. <laughs> was the, no. the roughing the passer call in the Rams Saints game that was well the the pass interference oh yeah sorry sorry yeah yeah pass interference the passer was on Brady no which call. we didn't talk about either but yeah. yeah the pass interference no call that has to be the worst no call i've ever seen in an important game yeah like can you is does anything come to mind like that cost a team something so big even though like there's two ways to look at it because the saints did that. They had chance after that to one stop the Rams from getting a field goal. And then they got the ball first in overtime. So it's, it's hard to not put it on the saints, but the call, if it's called correctly, they win that game. Unless something yeah, crazy they happens. There's no, there's no question about it. Uh, Cause they probably would have just scored a touchdown. They would just hand off to Mark Ingram yeah. score a touchdown there. Yeah, no, I yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and assume that uh, if they call that correctly, then either they run the clock down to like five seconds and kick a field goal, or they just walk into the end zone. So my uh, question to you is, <laughs> regardless of whether you think it's right or wrong, would you would you like to see the rematch starting from a minute forty of that game? Well, does it does it like start if right now? If you got to vote for yes for a minute forty replay or no, just move on. What would you vote? Okay, so well, are we taking out? I'll take out the uh, the my bias as someone who wanted to see the Rams win. Yeah, yeah, you got to um, take that out. I'm talking about just like a football perspective. So th does this happen after the penalty and they call the penalty, or is that play just like taken out? No, they uh, they call ooh, the penalty. That's, good, that's another good question. Do you replay that down? I think, I, no, I think, I think it makes to, it more interesting if you would, replay yeah. the third and ten. Right. So, yeah, it's like would Saints fans, you know, because they're not you – know, if they assess the penalty and they call it correctly on the redo, it would just start with, like with the clock running first and goal. 
that would be boring because then they just like take a knee three times and then kick a field goal, and that the game's probably over there. But yeah, if you redo this, yeah, I'll, I'll watch that. If you redo that third down or second down or whatever it was, the pass to Tommy Lee Lewis, that would be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be like the worst thing the NFL could do. Um, but I agree. Yeah, I would. I would fucking love it if it happened. Of course. Yeah. No, it'd be. It'd just be like. Uh, <laughs> you'd have like two hours of pregame and probably more than that. You have like five hours of pregame for like 12 minutes of football. Yeah. But like <laughs> you could just get a less, you could have less than two minutes of a football game. Yeah. And everybody, uh, everybody who was at the game who bought tickets gets to come back in for yeah. free. And like Troy, <laughs> Troy and Aikman get- and Joe Buck, like do their whole like intro again, just going back to, <laughs> like introducing second and ten. Oh man, I, I think it was early in that game. It was like Buck asked Troy Aikman what he would do, and I forgot to talk about it. But uh, he he was like, "No, I wouldn't do this here." And then the team did it and had success because the same exact thing that happened the week before. Right. I I, I meant for us to talk about it in the episode or like text you because I thought it was fucking hilarious. Uh, but whatever Troy Aikman says, it, yeah, opposite. you do the opposite. Yeah, you do the opposite. Yeah, no, he's like he's turning into Mike Carey from a couple years ago, when he just he was the like one of the first oh, guys right. to be like the official that called in to the to the broadcast yeah. and gave his opinion on replays, and he, and he was kept wrong getting them wrong every single time, like culminating in the Super Bowl with that Jericho Cotchery uh, catch non catch that he said. This looks like a catch. I'm going to say this is a Panthers first down. I was like, well, I think we're in, uh, you know, uh, that's a good sign for us. <laughs> and then, of course, Von Miller strips the ball a play later. Yeah. Uh, that was a big yeah, call. That was. That was. And I'm glad we had Mike Carey to turn the tide for us. That's right. Uh, but, yeah, of course I'd love to see this. This would be uh, – when would you do it? Like, would you do it the week before the Super Bowl? It would have to – no, they would have to do it tomorrow night, Thursday night football. Oh, got to give the the winner appropriate amount of time to. Yep. Yeah. Thinking about that. Yeah, no, I, I can't see any downside. I want to see this. Would you be open to reviewing the pass interference call in the final two minutes of the game? Because yeah, I think I th- reviewing it like through an entire game is a little silly and maybe yeah. just consider like making it a, 10-yard penalty if you do it uh, instead of the spot foul if people really – I don't know. I think it's a it's a weird – it's always been a weird rule like that. It is, yeah. But – It feels like it's a huge advantage for the offense. Yeah. And guys like Joe Flacco made a career out of exploiting that. Found and, it uh, deep, getting that call. Yeah. Maybe we might want to think about Flacco now at this point. Now oh, that I think shit. about it. Uh, especially if pass interference is reviewable. Um, you see the Broncos from like 2015 have the worst touchdown to interception ratio of any team in the league. That does not surprise me. It's like 77 touchdowns and 71 interceptions. Not great. So, like, there's, there's, there's a, there's a big like a giant window into their number one problem. It is quarterback. Hmm. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. What's really uh, interesting is that there's been a bunch of other teams do worse than them every year. Yes. Yeah, no, it feels like it never feels like they're the worst at quarterback. And yet no, I think I think the 2015 season really masked a lot of that. Yeah. I think people forget how bad Peyton Manning was for like stretches in that season. Most of it's just because of that Chiefs game. If you take that oh. Chiefs game out, like they're probably like middle of the pack. Yeah, half his picks came in that fucking game. Or I know. Yeah, and I think Brock Osweiler threw one too. So yeah, no, he did. It's like five whole picks that game. <laughs> yeah, um, I take out most of the Chiefs games over the last three years. I think the Broncos are like probably in the you know top ten and just teams overall. Yeah, that was uh, the the best part of that being over. Our <laughs> all the fucking Broncos fans who just 
Oh yeah. If, if you wanted, we should, talk, Patriots, about, we should talk about this. If you wanted the Patriots to lose, and you were a Bronco <laughs> fan, you were the biggest piece of shit on earth. Right. Yeah. No. Which I think. Uh, which all right, we openly disagreed about this uh, the week before. In a civil way, might I yes, add? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I didn't didn't call you an asshole like certain people on Twitter. I didn't think oh, you like liked football shit. any less. Uh, I didn't yeah, think you no. liked the Broncos any less. <laughs> Agree. Uh, I just had – and, uh, you know, other people in my family that root for the Broncos uh, had the same exact take as you. Yeah, Wait, it's and, like yeah. – and it's what, – what's funny is, like, you, you see the worst of your fan base rise yes. uh, to the top <laughs> of your, your social media platforms. And – these right. people who are like, I the, the argument that I think is really uh, ironic is Broncos fans shitting on other Broncos fans saying, I can't stand to imagine what Chiefs fans would be like on social media. They would be bigger pieces of shit than Patriots fans. All while those Broncos fans are being real pieces of <laughs> yeah. shit to other Broncos fans. Uh, that's what I, like, when I was like, step back and like, okay, stop feeling bad about people telling you you're an asshole and just, like, observe this. He's <laughs> like, these are the shitty people that other fan bases interact with with their shitty people. Because my experience Correct. on social media, for the most part, with Chiefs fans, with Patriots fans, is actually pretty good. <laughs> like, people are like, I'm a Chiefs fan, but I love your channel. I'm a Patriots fan, and I come here every week. Uh, just to watch you cry or whatever. It's like, fine. Like that's all part of it's <laughs> about, but, yeah. and I'm sure if you dig in, you can find all the assholes, but uh, I think all fan bases have the exact same amount of assholery. But once your team starts to get sex successful, I would, when, I would disagree with that. I would disagree with when, that. Okay. Yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars fans are never bad. LA Rams fans are never bad. Cause you don't see them. Right. But, like, teams that win a lot, you get a bunch of cocky people on the internet who suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Boston's a special case just because Boston and the whole New England, like, they just have this, like, uh, they feel like they're more important than the rest of the U.S. dating back to the Revolutionary War, I think. Uh, like, seriously, like, I think it's just, like, it's just bred into them that, like, we're the people that, you know uh, – took responsibility for the Boston Tea Party. We're the people that freed this country from the British Empire. And therefore, like, we're, you know, we're a class above everybody else in this you country. You think they have a uh, New York City inferiority complex? There's probably a little bit of that, too. Yeah. And they, like, all have this goodwill hunting complex where, you know, they think they're the will hunting of their own lives. And it turns out there's another asshole from Dorchester, uh, and then you combine that with the fact that, you know, Boston's had a million championships in, in just this, you know, last 20 years alone. And they become had pretty, too much success. pretty insufferable. When you get yeah. that much success, it changes you. And that's like my whole Agreed. argument for not wanting to see that, you know, the Patriots in a Super Bowl again. But I think that's, that's our argument too with the Chiefs is that we don't want to see them uh, taste a little bit of success and let it go to their heads too. But I I didn't want to just I just didn't want to give the Chiefs fan an, an inch because they'd spin it even to like a Chiefs fan even go even going to the Super Bowl is a win for them. You know. See, that's where I have a bigger heart than you. I think yeah, I think you might be right. I think they would have lost the Super Bowl though. I think the Chiefs would have lost the Super Bowl. Um, I disagree. Mm, I disagree there. Yeah, I think uh, I have more faith in the Rams to beat the Patriots than the Chiefs even though it doesn't make sense because the yeah, Rams. Yeah, see, I don't feel good about the Rams playing the Patriots. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we've got plenty yeah, of time to talk about see, that. We will. We've got plenty of time to talk about that. Um, I just let me ask you about this, though. We talked about quarterbacks uh, related to the Broncos, though. Uh, does it worry you at all? Because I know you're, like, you're not a big college football guy. You're not, like, a huge draft guy either. Not that I am, but, like, I'm aware of all these players. Does it worry you when a guy like Drew Locke, uh, his stock seems to rise, like just with like a like a, a press conference at yeah. the senior? No, that shit definitely. Does that like me. scare you? It, it just <laughs> makes me realize like how how much these people in the NFL making 
crazy important monetary decisions are just guessing like any other average asshole. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. There are like, there are NFL scouts out there who work their ass off, who are traveling all over the country, evaluating these people, doing a really good job. But when it comes down to it, it's like John Elway is going to make the call on which quarterback it is. And I would argue I might watch more football than John Elway because <laughs> I've seen Instagram videos from his son when it's like a three-day weekend. They're up in Tahoe, and I'm working on football videos all weekend. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would be doing the same fucking thing. I'm not knocking Elway for doing it, but, like, it's uh, it's just another – you get into these powerful positions because you were a great athlete and a great businessman. But, like, yeah, Drew right. Locke, look, he threw some good balls at the senior ball. Throwing some it wasn't even fire. that, though. It's just, like, it was, like, he – I don't know. He talked to the media without, you know, pooping his pants. Oh, yeah. I like the way he handled himself. What the fuck? And, you know, sure, maybe some of those answers were canned, but then I talked to him off of that. He just seems like a like a, the guy, a kind of guy who loves football, loves it. I don't know. So, it's yeah, like, I would hope so. Just give me the guy who looks like he played the best football in college. I don't care. Like, it's – all right, here's the one thing I do know about the draft. Like, I'm, I don't purport to be – some type of a draft guy or anything, a draft expert. I'm not one of those guys on Twitter that makes mock drafts. Uh, but one thing I do know is that, like, the most important thing over everything else, really the only thing that matters is just watching their college tape. Yeah. It, like, if you just look at their college tape, and by the if you've watched it all, by the time they're done playing and before the draft process starts, and you put a grade on someone and be like, all right, this guy is like a middle of the first round type of guy. And suddenly, by the time the draft rolls around and he's, you know, boosted himself to a top five guy, uh, it's time to be suspicious because you're, you're rising based on something that's, you know, unrelated to football, which is usually like you're just raw athleticism or you, you test well or like you have, you know, you're able to talk to people well in interviews. Like it's just stuff that doesn't matter. And that's really what scares me because it especially – uh, it especially affects quarterbacks. Like no other yeah. position really – people don't really care. Like uh, if you're, you know, a defensive tackle that has a good press conference. It's just quarterbacks for some reason. And uh, <laughs> I guess it's because, like, you know, you need this guy to be the face of your franchise. Yeah, there uh, is probably something like the likability and sellability of that. Um, but it's like yeah, a quarterback – It shouldn't, you know – No, it, it shouldn't. shouldn't. You should leapfrog someone that far. Right. You, a quarterback, you should see, are they accurate on the field? Are they accurate under pressure? What kind of offense were they running? Uh, how do they communicate to you that they understand what the, what the fuck they're doing out there? And um, hand size, obviously. Yes. No, I don't really care about that. As long as you <laughs> Nobody not, like, should fucking uh, care. Unless, yeah. like, they have a small hand have, like, and they fumbled hands. a bunch of yeah. times in college. Yeah, maybe that's – yeah. And you find out, yeah, they've been playing with, like, a junior football and they just got yeah. away with it for three years. Shout out Tom Brady. Um, I The one thing that still blows my mind is that they, they, they think they can fix accuracy coming into the NFL. Like, I've never seen that work. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's people that are like accuracy is just like a God-given trait. And then there's people that think you can drill accuracy. Like, I don't know. Like, I think you can fix footwork, which makes you more accurate as a result. Um, but then again, it's like, why? All right, so Cam Newton's, you know, eight years into his NFL career, eight, nine years into his NFL career. It's like, he still doesn't like throw with good footwork or anything. And he's like, he's super inaccurate some of the time. Yeah. And it's like, exactly. it doesn't, you don't, maybe, I don't know. Like I imagine like people have been trying to coach him on that for the entire time. He's with the Panthers, but I don't know. Probably been trying to coach him on that since high school. If they're a fucking quarterback. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, like, if they haven't learned, like it, it says there, cause there's a couple things there. Maybe they, they didn't have great coaching. And right. that's where some of their accuracy thing, accuracy issues are. And you can clean it up yes. a little bit in technique. But if it's a big problem, they're not going to go from being Paxton Lynch to, you know, Joe Montana. 
or no. Aaron Rodgers, no, no, no. right? Like Aaron Rodgers was accurate in college, uh, got more accurate in the NFL. Um, the other issue is like that quarter, that person playing quarterback hasn't taken the initiative to already fix that problem. You know what I mean? So that should worry yeah. you about how he's going to prepare for NFL games. Right. And like up until college, I think it's fair to say like, all right, we can turn this guy around. Uh, yeah, because like, yeah. If you watch like, if you watch shows kid. like, right. If you watch shows like QB one, which is like a really interesting show on Netflix, by the way, uh, it's about high school quarterbacks, but like, you can see like the disparity in high school programs. Like you can have high school teams that are run like college teams. Yeah. And there are other high school teams that are run like, you know, like pop Warner teams. Uh, that are just like playing in like the swamps somewhere as practice, and like I, coaching really like you don't really get elite level coaching for most of these guys until they go to college, and then I think there's probably a lot of fine tuning at the NFL level, but I, that's why you don't draft a guy uh, who's not like a finished product, right? In the first round. Especially at quarterback. I mean, if you're going to take a guy like in the fourth or fifth round, you know, be my guest at that point. You're sort of taking flyers, and yeah, you know, the return is uh, worth more than the risk that you put into it. But it, it scares me, you know. And I think people every time this year they fall into the same trap. Uh, they get this sort of hive mind around one one single guy who, like, he was never on the radar uh, during the season either because, like, uh, his program wasn't winning, which is kind of the case of Drew Locke, which I don't know how much, like, stock you put into that. Like, I don't know if you can expect him to take a Missouri team in the SEC and make them relevant all of a sudden just just out of his play. But you want to, like, see him win some big games. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like, he's a bigger name than Drew ha- – or Drew Haskins. Uh, what's his name? Dwayne Haskins. He threw 50 touchdowns and played in the Rose Bowl and run the won the Rose Bowl – uh, and Kyler Murray, who won the Heisman and played in the college football playoff, it's just – it's very concerning. Why? And I don't want – especially because the Broncos are at 10, and now they're talking about them possibly trading up to get a guy like Drew Locke. Why? Like, if they – they really have to jump the Giants, essentially, right? Yeah. Is the thinking? You got the, the Giants, the Jaguars, uh, and the Redskins. Oh, they're all ahead of the I Broncos? Think, I think – I'm not sure where the Redskins are, but I, they're at least like a team that you have to worry about trading up. You've also got the Dolphins. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of teams that will be – like the top five, maybe not. Uh, but, you know, you got teams from like five to 15 they have to worry about. Buccaneers as well. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know what I would do. Yeah, I, I think uh, especially with my plan all along, I think is stick with Keenan because you signed him for two years. Uh, if you if one of these guys falls to pick, you know, 42, wherever the Broncos are picking in the second, second round, round, yeah, not very likely, but, you know, or if one of them just like has a big slide and you want to trade back into the first round, that's more acceptable, I think. Uh, but especially when you got you took a guy like Vic Fangio to be your head coach, uh, which indicates to me that you're going to make defense a big priority yeah. moving forward. And there's a ton of value because of these quarterbacks who uh, it's been you know widely admitted that it's not a very good draft class for quarterbacks. So you're going to have a lot of defensive guys that fall as a result of quarterbacks going high just because they're quarterbacks and not because they're good players you can get a lot of value for a good defensive player at 10 and put them in a good scheme. Yeah. They need a corner there. So yeah. And there's three good corners that could go at 10. Yeah. I'll be happy with the corner at 10 and a quarterback in the second round. Um, You know, especially if they sign Aaron Rodgers, as everybody projected, like if they can get, the Broncos can get Aaron Rodgers, but also like uh, a guy to go behind Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, an Aaron Rodgers and even, type. You know, and, even keep, and even keep Case Keenum. Like, if they could have Aaron Rodgers and then Case Keenum as backup and then draft a guy, I'd, I'd feel safe finally, I think. Right. Yeah, and there, there's a thing, too. It's like 
Uh, even if you take a guy in the second round or like anywhere from second to like the fifth round, who's like a guy you're just like, you're not going to cut right away kind of as a guarantee at quarterback, you know, how valuable is a backup quarterback too? Like they're pretty valuable. Yeah. We've seen that recently. Uh, we've seen that with the Eagles. Like that's a, that's a position that you, uh, you want to be able to, you know, get you through like a month. If you can win with your backup quarterback, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be a successful team. Right, like the Broncos took Brock Osweiler in the second round in 2012, ended up paying off in 2015, even though he left the year after. Uh, But you wouldn't just be like literally just because of that, uh, you know, whatever seven game stint in 27 or in 2015, you would call that a successful pick, I think. Uh, back in 2012 yeah that's interesting to think about no I mean without him well yeah imagine if that guy that came in was Russell Wilson you know another thought (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. I I mean I guess I'm just talking about like the idea of taking one there no I know like you never know right it's uh what Dak Prescott was third round Russell Wilson was third round Brock Osweiler, second yeah. round. Paxton Lynch, first round. Uh, Chad Kelly, seventh round. I still think he should be on the team. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's another uh, another thought for the offseason. Do you Is... think with – okay, we'll end with this thought. Okay. Because okay. the report came out this weekend that teams are considering uh, signing Kareem Hunt, right? Right, yeah. So I know I know where you're going with this, and I was thinking the same exact thing. So why would why would you not why would you not try Chad Kelly out? Besides the fact that he's yeah. fucked up more times than you can count, like the last fuck up, he didn't hurt anybody. He no, hurt it, anybody. like as far as we know, he's never hurt anybody. Uh, yeah, he's just threatened fuck ups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He threatened to hurt a lot of people. That's not the same as hurting a lot of people. Uh, he was the you could argue he was the victim the last time he got hurt. Yeah, uh, the victim of a. A brutal vacuum clean vacuum cleaner assault back in October uh, after their Halloween party. So I mean, uh, if, if that everybody didn't happen, should get a second chance. If that didn't happen, he would have played this season. Yeah, he absolutely would have. <laughs> and he looks like he could be a guy to win you games, but whatever. So uh, next next week we'll do our Super Bowl predictions. We'll dive into yep. that matchup. Uh, if anything crazy happens with the Broncos, we'll talk about that. But next week should be mostly about the Super Bowl. And uh, we'll just brace for ways to prepare for the Patriots to win again. That's all I can recommend. Yeah, let's hope not. But uh, break class in, in case of worst scenario. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.